Well, I was walking in last week and uh, introduced myself to some folks, and they were visiting, and they said, um, what are you preaching on next week? And when they asked me what I was preaching on next week, I thought, well, it, the next passage in uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which is the series that we've been going through, is on money. So I said, I'm talking about money. And uh, they were very excited to come back. I don't see them here. Um, in fact, I don't see a lot of people here, so maybe the word got out. No, that's not the reason. But still, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about money. And then I have to admit that as the week progressed, um, I started to have second thoughts. I mean, really? Talk about money now? I mean, is this the week to be talking about money with everything that's going on in the world? Is this the week to be talking about money when the stocks plunge 25% from their high? Is this, is this the week to talk about money when we had the biggest drop since Black Monday, 1987? Is this the, money, the, the week to talk about money? I mean, shouldn't I be talking about something more relevant like purity laws in the Old Testament, or, or James 4.8, I believe it is, that says, wash your hands, you sinners. That, w- that seemed to be a little bit more on the nose. Why, why talk about money? And then I thought, well, maybe some of you are invested in Purell and Lysol and not Apple and oil like me. And so maybe I could talk about money for those reasons. But in all seriousness, it's not like we haven't been thinking about it, is it? I mean, most of us have been thinking about wealth, possessions, material goods this week. As you look at your retirement and you were planning it and you watch your portfolio plunge. Or as you hear news that schools are canceled and you wonder, how am I going to take care of of my child and still get an income and pay my bills? Uh, I mean, it's not like we aren't thinking about money. And, and, and let's be honest, because of these things, as we think about these things, we've become anxious. Uh, I, I know some of you are anxious. I feel anxieties about this. And yet Jesus says, do not be anxious. Yet Jesus doesn't just say, do not be anxious. He knows we're anxious, but he says, therefore, do not be anxious. Therefore, based on what I'm about to say, I'm, I'm, uh, or what I've just said, I am about to give you tools in order to free you from your anxiety. So I think that's why it's worth continuing to talk about money, because I actually think that the text before us today is actually something that's extremely relevant. We need to talk about money because money is always about more than money. Look at verses 22 and 23. Jesus gives this interesting, somewhat mysterious to us, uh, analogy based on ancient understandings of the body. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light, um, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. 
Now, it's important to, to know that Jesus here is still talking about money. Just before this, he's talking about where you put your treasure. And just after this, he says you cannot serve God in money. So in the middle, this little bit that's kind of strange to us, it's about money. And in this analogy, he's basically saying, look, if, if you have a, a bad or good eye, your eye affects everything else. If you, if you got a good eye, then the body's good. If you got a bad eye, then the body's bad. The, the eye is related to every single other thing. And he, here's the point. Jesus says, your relationship to money affects every other thing in your life. That's the point. That, that, that money is never just about money because, because how you relate to money will affect every aspect of your life. It'll, it'll affect your career and the career path that you're willing to choose. It'll affect your family. It'll affect your education. It'll affect and what education you pursue. It'll affect, um, it'll affect what you're willing to do, where you're willing to live, what you're willing to give away, your civic engagement. And what Jesus is saying is, look, you cannot, you cannot have an unhealthy relationship to money and think that other aspects of your life will be healthy, including your relationship with God. Do not be deceived. We cannot have an unhealthy relationship with material goods and wealth and think that we can have a healthy relationship with God. Money is always about more than money. Money reveals things. It reveals what you value. Think about it. I mean, in verses 19 through 21, Jesus talks about uh, money as a treasure, as treasuring something. I mean, what you spend on something is an exact indication of what you think it is worth. Do you know that? What you are willing to spend on something is an exact indication of what you think it is worth. And a lot of us right now think toilet paper is worth a lot. Right? And so, and so if, for instance, if you think um, some of us, some of us would would never, ever consider paying so, so much for a meal. Other of us would, because we value it. Some of us would never think of paying so much for a rain jacket, because, you know, when does it rain in Santa Barbara, except for this week? But you, you, you probably spend a lot of money on a rain jacket if you, like Pam and I, live in Cambridge, England, and you're biking to work every day in the rain. I mean, it only takes a couple of days of being, uh, get, arriving to work and just being completely soaked and looking then at like, you know, because it's England, 300 more days of this before you think, I think I will, you know, reconsider whether or not we want to lower our grocery bill in order to pay for a nice rain jacket because you value it. And, and we are all, even the most frugal of us, we are all willing to pay more for some things. Do you know that? It shows your priorities. I mean, you know, the, the, uh, the most frugal, I remember this guy, he was, so, he was so cheap in college, and he was a broke college student anyway, but he was really cheap, and he was always complaining about his money, and then he would like, he was the kind of guy who would, he'd go out with us to the restaurant, and then he would just eat off our plates, but wouldn't order, you know what I'm talking about? And, and yet... One day I was, I was at his house and I opened the fridge and, you know, he's, he's got like a six-pack of beer there. I'm like, you're so cheap. What do you have a six-pack of beer for? And he goes, well, everybody's got to have their luxuries, All right? 
And you know what? He's right. Everybody has their luxuries. Like, what are yours? Because whatever that is, that's what you're willing to prioritize. So what is, what is your bank account? What does my bank account say about our priorities? Um, some of you have seen the movie, All the President's Men. It's about the uh, Watergate scandal. And Robert Redford plays an investigative journalist. One day he's meeting with, uh, with Deep Throat, the informant, over the Watergate scandal. And they're in this kind of parking garage. And they're going back and forth over things. And Deep Throat will not give him any information. He will only confirm or deny things that he said. And at one point he says, well, and I've, I heard about this, this, this money. And there's this bag of money. And so-and-so has paid this much. And he goes, and then Deep Throat says, follow the money. Follow the money. Jesus is saying, follow the money. You follow the money, it will reveal your values. Follow the money because it reveals not only your values, it also reveals your heart. Look at verse 21. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In the Jewish understanding, the heart is the core of a human being. It is from the heart that we love and we trust where your treasure is, where you put your treasure, there will your heart be. See, we look to money to do things for us. We look to it for significance. I mean, think about it. In this passage we've been looking at for the last month or so, Jesus talks about not doing things in order to be seen. He talks about prayer. He talks about fasting. He talks about giving. And people are doing things in order to get recognition in order to have a status, achieve a name. And he says, don't do those things. And then he starts talking about money. Why? Because money is one of the things that we use in order to make ourselves feel valuable. Let me prove it. I was talking to two people over the... This came up twice over the last couple weeks. Someone said to me, how much is she worth? How much is he worth? You know this phrase. We don't say how much is their portfolio worth. We don't say how much their bank account. We say how much is he worth, how much is she worth. Because we equate money with a person's value. We look to money for significance. We look to money for comfort. To make things easier. For pleasure. And we look to money to give us security. That's why we call them securities and trust because we put our trust in them. You see, we, we look to money to perpetuate the illusion of control, as I've heard it said, in an uncontrollable world. But here's, here's the thing. When we look to money to provide for us security and comfort, and status. Do you know what happens? We no longer manage money. Money starts to manage us. We are, we are no longer owning money. Money starts to own us because money will then dictate all of our decisions. The jobs we are willing to take. The career paths we are willing to choose. The, the spouses we're willing to consider. 
the, the, the political parties and people we are willing to vote for. I mean, I mean some, some folks, uh, there's there are a lot of people who 90% uh, of what drives their political decisions is how will this, how will this affect my wealth, my status, my portfolio, my benefits that I receive on both sides. But then if that happens, we no longer, money no longer serves us, we serve money. And that's why in verse 24, Jesus calls it what? A master. A master, because money not only reveals your values and your heart, money also reveals your master. And here's the problem. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other, and we cannot serve God in money. You see, Jesus is getting at this. He's saying, you will cling to and rest in and rely upon something for ultimate worth and value and comfort and security and significance. And here's the thing. Money does not like second place. It will always vie for your ultimate allegiance. This is why... This is why uh, John D. Rockefeller, when asked uh, how much is enough, he said a little bit more. It's always a little bit more. Because money is not happy. It's not content with second place. It has to have first place. And so when we, what Jesus is pointing out is that we, we cling to and we rest in and we rely upon money for life and health and peace. And it becomes a substitute God. Brian Rosner, who wrote a great book on grief in the Bible and grief as idolatry, uh, which the New Testament epistles equate it to, he said this, this comparison teaches us that to desire and to acquire and to keep for oneself more money and material things than one needs is an attack on God's exclusive right to human love, trust, and obedience. It's attack on God's exclusive right to our love, our trust, and our obedience. And so the question is that we have to ask, and the questions that times like this really help us to see is, what are we trusting in? What are we clinging to for life and health and peace? How do you know whether or not God is your God or money and wealth and material possessions has become your substitute God? Well, I think one of the ways is that we can look at our fears and we can look at our anxieties and what causes anxiety. Because here's the thing, if, if we are clinging to and resting in and relying on material goods and wealth and possessions for life and health and peace, we will be anxious. Do you know why? Because money makes a poor master. Because it's impotent and it's vulnerable. It's impotent and vulnerable. Look, Jesus talks about this in verse 19. He says, do not lay your, uh, up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
Money is, is impotent. It, it, it cannot protect us from the things that really threaten our lives. It, it, and it cannot give us our ultimate desires. Money cannot buy you love. And money cannot save you from divorce. Neither, neither can it protect you from the things that really threaten your life. And if you could ask Steve Jobs, he would tell you so. All the money in the world cannot protect us from death. And money is vulnerable. It's vulnerable to, to human actions, thieves breaking in and stealing, executives making bad decisions, us making bad decisions. It's also vulnerable to the natural events of the world like earthquakes and mudslides and pandemic viruses, moths and rust. And so do you see what is at stake? Follow the money. Follow the money. The, the reality is, is that what is at stake in this, in talking about money, is it's not about money. It's about who's our God? Functionally, who's our God? But listen, Jesus says there's another way. Look at verse 25. It's an abrupt transition. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. He just said, you cannot serve God or money. And he says, therefore, I tell you, and what do we expect him to say? Therefore, I tell you, serve God, right? But he doesn't. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Why? Because he says, that's a dead end. Serving money is a dead end. And it will always lead to anxiety. So therefore, do not be anxious there is another way. And while it, while it might be obvious, the choice might be obvious between God and money, it is not easy. So here's the question. How can I trust God instead of money and wealth and material possessions? How can I cling to and I rest in and rely upon God instead of money and wealth and material possessions and resources? Well, first thing to do is this, reconsider your investments. What are you investing in? Verse 25, I tell you, Jesus says, do not be anxious about your life or what you eat or what you drink or your body or what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? See, we have this sense that to secure biological life is to secure life. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. It's a tragedy to think that if you secure material goods and physical life, then your life is secure. I had a relative who had a sign in his garage, and the sign said, He who dies with the most toys wins. Wins what? Wins what? What does it profit a person if he gains a whole world but he loses his soul? Life, real life, true life, the life that we were meant to have is found in a relationship with God. This is eternal life, that they may know me. 
and the one who has sent me. So here's the question that this raises for us. Do we know where life is found and what are we investing in? Do we spend more time nurturing our portfolios or our souls? Do we spend more time cultivating our retirement or our lives in Christ? Are we more concerned about the fiscal outlook of the next year or are we more concerned with the eternal outlook? What affects your mood and my mood on a day-to-day basis? Is it the numbers in your bank account or your checking account or is it that you are numbered amongst God's elect? Are you vigilant to protect? What are you more vigilant to protect? Your your physical health or your spiritual health? Life consists in a relationship with God. And so, Jesus says, reinvest, reinvest. Look at verses 19 and 20 again. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth or rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Do you realize that there is only one place, one place in this entire world that is absolutely an absolutely safe investment? And that's with God. You know, investors talk about an, an ROI, a return on investment. And people want a good return on investment. There's only one place where you can guarantee an amazing return on investment. And that is investing in the kingdom and investing with God who brings life out of death, who creates something out of nothing. And who provides ways out of no way. It's the only place that's secure. And so, seek the kingdom. Invest in the kingdom. You say, well, how much do I need to give to the kingdom? However much it takes. However much it takes for us to stop clinging to and resting in and relying on material goods and resources and possessions until we start relying on and clinging to and resting in God and God alone. Look, Jesus says, remember, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where we put our treasure not only reveals our heart, it also forms our heart. So we invest in the kingdoms. Well, what are you saying, Paul? Are you saying... Are you saying that I just need to, to in this, especially in this time of crisis, give my money to the church? Is that what you're saying? Um, that may be an implication, but no, that's not what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying. I, I'm saying give your hand sanitizer, to your extra hand sanitizer to your neighbor who needs it. And your extra toilet paper to your neighbor who needs it. And reach out to those who can't get out of their house And go pick up food for them. That's what I'm saying. Seek first the kingdom and God's justice, God's righteousness. Think about the poor who cannot actually, who live paycheck to paycheck, and they can't go buy out the the grocery store because they're living month or week to week. 
uh, our stocking up our closets today means, means that we might have something tomorrow, but guess what? Other people don't have things today. Today. And is not life more than food and clothing and hand sanitizer and toilet paper? Reinvest. Give to the kingdom. Second, reconsider your place. Uh, Jesus wants to remind us of who we are. We, we think that we can control this world and we think we can control our destinies and we cannot. Verse 27, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his lifespan? See, we are not God and we cannot protect ourselves or plan our days ultimately. Our days are in his hands. And so verse 31, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and our heavenly Father knows that you need them. See, who are you? You are not God, but you are a child. You are a child of your heavenly Father. Your Father knows you need them. And that that heavenly Father, He is a sovereign Father, He knows all your needs, verse 22, and he is a generous father who provides for birds and lilies and grass. And how much more for you? Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? And that's the final thing that we have to do, I think, if we want to have God be our God functionally on a day-to-day basis, to be free of anxiety. Reconsider your value. Are you not more valuable than they? And how valuable are you? Well, we said earlier, what you value, the value you place on something, is what you'll spend on it. What you'll spend on it is an exact indication of how much it is worth to you. What did God spend on you? How much did God think you were worth? Dear children, you were bought not with gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Economists tell us that what make something extremely valuable, what drives up its price is both its scarcity and its utility. Toilet paper. We're finding out its utility. And it's scarce. And the price is being driven up. Sanitizer. Utility during this time. And scarcity. And the price is being driven up. Scarcity. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. There is only one Jesus. And there is no one like him. Utility. And there is salvation in no other name. And that's how much God loved you. That's what he thinks you are worth. 
And so know, know that you are worth way more than the grass or the birds or the lilies. You are worth so much that God would send his only begotten son to to shed his precious blood for you and for me. Do you know what that means? It means that we can that we can live freely in this world and witness to our neighbor in love. It means that we can we can all have to hoard things, but we can give our stuff away because we know that our God, who freely gave us his only begotten Son, will freely give us all things. Does that mean we won't die? No. Does it mean we won't get sick? No. It means that he has conquered death for you and for me. It means that he will bring us through the other side. And so we are free. The free people of God. To know that we, we have a bridge across the River Jordan. We have a bridge across the gates of death. And because of that, we can spend ourselves and our stuff for the life of the world. May we do so. Amen.